another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Sparko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't dictate it as always during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas in my 2006 Jetta Diesel TDI. And uh, that is my personal mobile studio. And uh, here we are again to share another 30 to 40 minutes uh, of my commute as friends. And as friends often do, let's start out with just a little bit about the weather, which you may not really care about, but you might actually find interesting today. Because it's going to have to do with how you can win a gun safe or a single point tactical sling uh, or a tactical Christmas stocking. So pay attention. It's 34 degrees. Yes, I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, The sun is up. It is shining. There's not really any clouds in the sky. Uh, The sun feels warm, but it is 34 degrees, which means last night it definitely went below freezing. I just went out checked my garden. It looks like most of the stuff made it, uh, but there is uh, there's some rough rough stuff even on some of the stuff in the greenhouse that I'm pushing a little bit to see what I can actually get away with growing this year, including my little pole bean project. It looks like they're going to be okay, but they took it kind of hard last night, and I may have to start bringing some alternative heating source in there. So what does the cold have to do with your opportunity to win today? Well, um, if you've joined the Listener Appreciation Contest in the past and you are eligible to play a lot, if you haven't, go register now. Go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Listener Appreciation Contest and agree to tell others about our show and to give us your name and email and you are registered and ready to play. The way we do this, as always, is you will send me an email. In the email subject line, there will be a code word. I'm about to tell you what it is. It is not code word. Don't send it yet. Wait, listen. It's important. And uh, there will be nothing but that code word in the subject line. In the body, you will send me your name and the email address to wit- with which you used to enter the contest. All right? Now, I'm going to add one more thing. If you're an email user that has problems with a lot of stuff going into spam, you may want to go ahead and include your shipping address on your initial email. I've had two people win prizes and responded to them and say, you know, dude, you won. Send me your shipping information. Never heard from them again. Twice that has happened, including the the very first contest with the iPod. All right? So somebody missed out on an iPod. Somebody missed out on a gun safe because they didn't respond to me. My only belief there, since I, I watch this the day I run these things, I watch them all day, as soon as they come in, I respond. I go, okay, there's number 20. Respond. You won. Give me. It's almost as soon as you send it, I'm answering you. It's got to be spam filtering. So you may want to consider sending me your shipping address right from the get-go. Do not worry. I have no intention of sending junk mail to your home or coming to your house. If you win, you're going to have to give it to me anyway. And after uh, the contest ends, and I've, you know, very verified to all my winners, I just delete everybody's email. So that could be a little bit of redundancy if you want to do it. So here is today's code word. First frost. 
first frost, because that's what we just had last night, the first frost of the year. So you will send me an email. It will say first frost in the subject line. It will be in two words, not one word. And you will have in the body your name, the email address you entered the contest with, and if you want to make sure that your spam filter doesn't screw you out of your prize, you will tell me where to ship it right from the beginning. I will let winners know as they come in. Today, what are we giving away? We are giving away two tactical Christmas stockings. We are giving away a single point sling. Both of those prizes come from SOE Tactical Gear and John Willis, who's been a great sponsor and done a lot to tell other people about our show. So folks, if you don't win and you want some stuff like that, go over to SOE Tactical Gear, pick some stuff up from John, especially for the uh, the tactical enthusiasts this Christmas. He's a good sponsor. He's done a lot for us. Please repay the kindness. And then one other winner will win a in-car gun safe from Center of Mass products. Okay, this will be one, another one of the key lock versions. A very, very cool uh, heavy steel. I will be giving away prizes. I will choose as they come in who gets what. Well, not really. I mean, I've already decided, but again, I'm not going to tell you who gets what based on number. Uh, but I will be giving away to the 20th person, the 30th, the 40th, and the 50th. That's a lot of opportunity to win something. Respondent 20, Respondent 30, Respondent 40, and Respondent 50 will all win a prize today. So that knocks out the contest. You know, and uh, one thing I want to talk a little bit about, uh, if you haven't been to the site in the past day, uh, the survivalpodcast.com, you may want to drop on by. We have a new look and feel to our site and a new logo, and we'll have uh, some T-shirts with that logo uh, with a saying, and there's some voting going on in a, a kind of an unrelated thing in the, the forum right now. I'm probably going to put whatever gets chosen uh, from that poll. And there's a poll about choosing the next Survival Podcast sticker in the forum, and I'll put a link from this uh, the show notes today to that, that poll. So go there and vote, and uh, we'll have those shirts coming out, hopefully in time to be ordered for Christmas. I don't know if that's going to happen now. Uh, but one thing I want to say about the site, I've been getting a lot of uh, people saying, well, the, there's a right margin issue. The stuff's all the way over in the right margin. Uh, we re- I didn't really plan on launching the new look and feel of the site yesterday. The guy that does the work for me kind of just did it. And uh, it looks great in, a, in the Firefox browser, but if you're an Internet Explorer, uh, there's some style issues. I think he's actually fixed some of it overnight, but we're going to keep dinking on it. So some of the way that things are displaying, um, don't worry about it. We'll correct those. Now, I've had people ask me to move the content in between the two right-hand columns, and that's probably not going to happen. Uh, I actually want the layout kind of the way it is for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I think once we get the style issues corrected... Um, and a style sheet is just a web development issue with there's a there's a file that sits on the server that controls on how things are looked and displayed and because Internet Explorer is made by Microsoft which in my opinion Microsoft sucks um, they don't follow web standards because they think they can create their own. So a lot of times you have a developer do something in a complete standards-based uh, environment, and it may not display properly in IE. Then you have to go back and do workarounds for IE. So we're going to get that cleaned up. But I hope you guys enjoy the new look and feel of the site. And uh, as soon as we get that all cleaned up, I'm going to get a developer, a different developer that specializes in uh, simple machines forum software to basically make the forum look the same. So we're really coming of age with the branding and everything else. And uh, 
uh, I'd like to tell you guys it's how enthusiastic you guys are that made it worth my time to make the investment to get the stuff to happen. So I hope you enjoy the new look and feel and identity of the site. Let's move on to some other things because we've been looking at a lot of stuff happening lately out there. Yesterday I kind of went around the world a little bit with some of the, the big things from a macro view of what's happening out there to you know increase threats. And uh, if this is one of your first shows, and, or maybe you heard yesterday's and today's only, you might think that... Uh, we don't really talk about like basic survival preparations, how to store food, how to find a bug out location, how to pack your vehicle. Hey, we do all of that. Today we're going to kind of do both. We're going to kind of be on a macro view of the world and a micro view of your household at the same time. Because I have a lot of concern for people right now. I think people are making some bad decisions. And you may know some people making some of these bad decisions. And it may be time to clue them in on uh, Old Jack's show here or on some other piece of information that you may choose to share with them because things are getting tough you know and our slogan is we help you live the life you want to live if times get tough or even if they don't well folks the chips are fixing to be down the hatches are fixing to be battened all right and and here's what we found out yesterday half a million people half a million people lost jobs in november which is almost a third of the people who lost jobs this year. One and a half million, roughly, jobs were lost this year. Uh, people like AT&T and I believe DuPont are announcing additional, very large-scale layoffs. I think AT&T is going to lay off 12,000 people. Uh, the big three automakers are up there begging for money. And whether they get money or not, they're going to be doing large-scale layoffs. They get the money. It's not like everybody's going to keep their job. I keep hearing from people going, I don't want those poor people to lose their jobs. Hey, you know what? Chapter 11, bailout or no bailout, merger or no merger, thousands and thousands of people at the big three are going to lose their jobs because they have to. The only reason they haven't lost their jobs yet is right now GM, Ford, and Chrysler have to pay them 95% of their salary even if they send them home. So if you had them there assembling freaking wallets like they do in China, they'd be more profitable than sending them home at 95% of their pay. One way or another, that little thing is going to get rectified. And once it does, you're going to start seeing the chopping block. What I'm trying to tell you is this is not the bottom. This is not the bottom of this recession. I don't even think it's near the middle of this recession. I don't think everything's ferreted itself out yet. I don't think we've learned everything that we're going to learn yet. And I think the American investor is an idiot. And you can see the idiocy of the American investor. Yesterday, when the stock market blew through the floor again, why? Because we came out and said, hey, there were a lot of layoffs in November. No shit. Right? Did you really did you really not know that? Right? Well it was five hundred thousand when you couldn't add up all these big companies laying people off that we heard about all month long in the, it was in the news. But people panicked. Now what'll happen today is maybe we'll get an indicator that we're gonna bail out these idiots. But remember it's a rescue. Remember that from yesterday. The Congress has determined that if they tell you it's a rescue, you won't get mad. But if they tell you it's a it, it's a bailout, you will, because they think we're stupid. So that'll probably happen today. We're probably going to hear uh, a good indicator today that, that, the, that these guys are going to get some kind of help. There might be some real strings attached to it, but they're going to get something. Because I just don't believe the Dems are going to turn their back on their boys in the unions. 
And uh, when that happens, you'll watch the market go way, way up. Why? No one's buying cars. Right? So what does all this tell us? It just tells us that you, you can't live this stuff day to day. You have to have a much longer view. And there's some things that I want to get across to you that you should be doing, or if you are doing them, the people around you should be doing right now. First, I want to talk to my, my, my listeners out there that have children. Um, do not panic your children. Do not say things to your children like, we have to do this now because mommy might lose her job or daddy might lose his job or times are tight. We don't have as much money as we used to. Really don't tell them now when it's not true. I hear people say that now. We just don't have as much money as we used to. They're like, really, did they cut your pay at work? And they're like, no. Really? Okay. Um, did, did your wife get laid off? No. Did you both still have your jobs? Yeah. You didn't get a pay cut? No. Are they cutting back your hours? No. So you're still making the same money you were this summer? Yeah. What were you paying for gas this summer? Four oh five. What are you paying for gas now? Dollar sixty. You have more money. So don't be stupid and tell your kids we don't have much money. But even when you don't have much money, don't put it that way to your kids. And this is why I think if you think you might get laid off, this is what you need to start doing with your kids right now. You start doing low-cost to no-cost activities with your kids, and the reason you're doing them is because Mommy and Daddy thinks it's fun and want to spend time with Susie or, or Bobby or whatever your kids' names are. It has absolutely, in your child's mind, nothing to do with your current income, the current economy in the United States, or anything else. You know what? When I grew up, I grew up in a poor coal region family. Especially once we left Florida when I was really young and moved up to Pennsylvania and I went to high school up there. Really poor. Talking that one of the house, one of the uh, rooms in the upstairs part of the house actually was at an angle. You could hold, put a marble in a door jam and it would have rolled to the far corner. We just, that's how the house was. It was okay. It was an old house. So it leaked. It wasn't going to fall down. The shingles on the outside were made of asbestos. The house was purchased in 1930-something by my grandfather for about $1,300. We drove used cars. My parents had two cars. My grandparents shared a car. And uh, my grandfather was basically living off disability from black lung disease from working in the mines his entire life, which wasn't much. And my grandmother had Social Security. That's what they had. They worked their whole lives for it. They didn't have any real money saved up for investments because back then nobody invested. You put your money under your mattress. And frankly, they just didn't have much money to put under their mattress raising three three boys. And... Uh, when my, my parents split up, I ended up living in that house until I went out on my own at a very young age. I didn't know I was poor. I had no idea. Those were some of the best years of my life. I went hunting and fishing every day that I could possibly go. I learned to work in a garden. I cut grass. I played in the woods. I had friends and we played games like, you know, we, we played war. You know, shooting at each other with toy guns and no one called the cops. And it was absolutely utopia for me. Because no one told me I was poor. Somebody would have told me I was poor 
I wouldn't be on the, this uh, this show doing this for you right now. I promise you. If somebody told me we can't have that because you know we just we just don't have money, it's not we we can't do that. You know, I was just never given the opportunity to realize what I couldn't have. You know, I had to get old, grow up, and realize what I didn't have, and decide for myself that I would go out and claim it rather than worry about the fact that I didn't have it. I never knew that I was at a disadvantage with anybody else. Because of that, I am who I am. And I'm saying, don't do that to your kids, folks. I don't care how bad you think it is. I don't care how scared you think that you are. I don't care how afraid you are. I don't care if you lose your house and you have to move to a little apartment. Make it an adventure. Make it fun. Tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. This is what we need to do right now. But uh, we're all gonna we're all gonna pull through together. We're gonna take care of things. This is gonna be fun. Here's how we're gonna make it fun. Because we're gonna do this, and because Daddy and Mommy are gonna keep working hard to take care of you. Eventually, we're gonna have a hell of a lot more than we do right now. But don't worry about it, because this is not what matters. What matters is we're together. So that's my first message to you. My second message to you is that it's probably a good idea for you to give yourself a little dose of reality right now for what you could go through in a six-month period after losing your job. And you don't need to frighten yourself. You don't need to be freaked out. In some ways, this may lessen your fear. Whatever state you live in, if you lose your job because of a layoff, a downsizing, what have you, you're going to be able to, to most likely, unless you've been working for two days or something like that, if you've held down a job for any length of time, claim unemployment. You should find out at your income level what your unemployment would be. And you should know that for six months you'll probably get that money. And you should figure out what your spouses would be. With the worst of the worst happened, you both lost your job at the same time, how much money would come in? And then, of your cash reserves that you have, if you've prorated cash reserves over a six-month period, what could you give yourself as a budget for six months while both of you looked for a new and better job? And then, how much are you spending now, and what would you cut to meet that budget? It's not an exercise of futility. It's a very, very important step that you might want to take right now, especially if you work for a big company. I'm telling you, the people that work for big companies have a bigger risk right now than people that work for small companies. All right? If I lay off 10% of my workforce, I lay off one person. I can reduce my expenses by 10% by laying off one person. If I only have to lay off one person, I can make sure I lay off the weakest, poorest performing individual with the worst attitude that I have, and I make my business stronger and better. And because we're small and nimble, we can work through just about anything that comes our way. If I am running a company with 20,000 people and I have to lay off 10% of my workforce, I have to get rid of 2,000 people. And I'll probably get rid of a thousand people that are at the bottom, the the, the the you know the chaff, and uh, that'll work out. But I'm probably gonna get rid of a thousand people that really were a big part of the strength of my business. My business, even though I've cut my expenses, is now gonna be weaker. And big companies are the ones that are gonna be pressured to lay people off. If you work for a publicly traded company. They're going to be even under more pressure to take cost-cutting measures, including laying off certain employees, doing more outsourcing, and things like that. So you really need to be in touch with the reality that this can hit you. And just because you make it through Christmas into January doesn't mean you've got away with it. 
Now, you should know me by now, and you should know that I'm not going to let you get away with just figuring out what you would cut if it happened. I'm going to say of all the things you would cut, start looking at them and decide, are there any you can cut anyway? Take that accountant attitude. Do we need this expense? What is it giving us? Is it really bringing back to us as much as we're putting out? If we didn't spend this money and we saved it, and it went into our cash reserves, and we didn't get laid off for three months, how much longer would we be able to survive looking for a new job? Because we made this move now. If we're going to have to do it anyway, and if your probability is high, if like you've been kind of told, hey, Tom, you know, in uh, January we're going to be cutting and it could be you. Or if you've been told, you know, hey, Tammy, uh, you're not going to lose your job, but we're going to be moving most people in your position to part-time um, to save on benefits and you're only going to get 30 instead of 40 hours and uh, that type of thing. You better start really stepping up now and make the cuts today. But see what you can cut. I think this is always a good exercise. Always evaluate when your cash is going out of your household. What is it buying you? How long does it last? What are you willing to give up? And there's things that are entertainment driven that I'm not willing to give up. I have a Dish Network system. It costs me about $70 a month to push Dish Signal to all the TVs in my home with the channel lineup we want. You know, I could get rid of that, put $70 a month more into savings, and uh, put an antenna on the roof. Free TV. And where I live, I'd get a dozen channels. I'm not willing to do that at this point, at this juncture. Right? It has a lot to do with having a teenage son in the house. Right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's on the chopping block at all times. It's evaluated at all times. We're thinking about it all the time. Even though we have no trouble paying our bills, we look at that one and we go, do we really need, and what that does, even if you never cut it, what that does is when you look at bringing in a new expense, you go, yeah, okay, um, can I still justify this other money on this thing that I really want that really does give me entertainment, value, and information into my home? I'd rather keep this one. And it makes you start to critically evaluate everything you do, which is what you need to be doing right now. Every dollar you spend, you need to critically evaluate it. Do I really need to do this? You need to ask yourself some questions. One, is this any form of investment whatsoever? Will this put money back into my household or prevent money from going out? If the answer is no, it just got knocked down a peg. And a TV, a new TV... Isn't going to do that for you. Oh, we'll go to the movies list. Come on. Your old TV's not good enough to watch DVDs on? Please. Right? Doesn't mean you can't have a nice TV. I got a nice TV. I like it. Paid cash for it. You know, but you got to, right now, It's this is not 2007 in June right now. This is the winter of 2008, and times are getting tough. So you evaluate that. You make that decision based on what's most important for your family and what you're going to need to be doing. I really think everybody needs to be reserving some food right now. There is a certain comfort. Remember I said yesterday, you do not have to have the world ending to be digging into your prepared food. If you got laid off tomorrow, you went and cut your expenses as best you could immediately. And this week, instead of going to the grocery store and spending $150 on groceries, 
you went into your six months of reserves and took a week out and ate that and didn't have to spend that money, didn't have to worry about that, and for that matter, didn't have to go to the freaking grocery store and took that time and used it toward looking for your next job, that type of thing, don't you think that helps? And as far as the shit hitting the fan, has the shit not hit the fan for you and your family? See, folks, that's what I keep trying to bring people back to a center on. That's what this is really all about. All your preps, from alternative energy to bug-out locations to bug-out vehicles to medical supplies, medical training, stored food, it's all about when the shit hits the fan for you. And it doesn't have to hit the fan for me for it to have hit the fan for you. We don't have to have a complete breakdown. We don't have a trucker strike and no food in the grocery stores for you to need to dip into your reserves. And people say, well, if I dip into my reserves, am I not um, you know, weakening my position? To a degree, but why do you have them? <laughs> you know? That's what I ask people. They say, well, why do you have this? Well, if I need to eat and I'm going to starve without it. Oh, hello, well, you know. Maybe now's that time. Maybe tomorrow's that time. But be prepared for it. Stay on, stay on course. Continue to pay down debt if you have it. This is not the time to go, well, I'm just going to start making minimum payments. No. No. All right? Here's the way to look at that. Let's say you have a credit card. You owe two grand on it. And you manage to pay off your credit card, okay, over the next two months. You've spent the $2,000, it's gone, your credit card balance is zero. If you had no other choice, you could obviously take the credit card and put the $2,000 in charges back on it. You probably would not, but you could. The credit line is still there. So don't think I'm better off having $2,000 worth of debt and $2,000 worth of cash. You're probably better off having no cash and no debt as long as you still have the credit. Because what's the freaking difference? Well, the difference is you might just dig yourself out of the no cash hole a hell of a lot faster than you'll dig yourself out of the debt hole. And odds are if you don't pay it off, eventually you'll wean away the cash. You'll have no cash and debt at the same time. Alright? So it's just a better strategy overall. And any entrepreneur, any business person that successfully managed debt to run a business would tell you the same thing. If you live in an apartment, or if you live in a house that is, you've structured your financing in such a way that you could sell it now, even in a down market, and get out with some profit or break even, Either of those scenarios, you may really want to start looking at finding a new place to live right now. Because there's going to be deals out there. And you may be able to step into your dream home, whatever that is for you. Whether it's a great, big, huge house or a great, big, huge piece of land with a little house on it. Very soon you may be able to step into that for the best bargain in the history of the United States. Especially if you don't lose your job. Especially if you have saved your money. Especially if you are well prepared. For the people that are prepared, this is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. And I hate to say it that way because I feel bad for the people that it's happened to. But I feel bad for grasshoppers when it freezes. They're still grasshoppers, and they still have to deal with the consequences of being a freaking grasshopper. If you're an ant, or even a wannabe ant, right now, they're, the whole, I've said this before too, the whole world is going on sale. From investments to real estate, 
Everything is on sale. The commodities. Gas is on sale. Folks, at a buck sixty, and it may go down to a buck twenty by the end of the month. Gas is on sale. You know? Understand the opportunity that you have right now. And it is really a good time to start looking for homes that are going into foreclosure, things that are sitting in bank foreclosure right now. Banks will unload that crap, especially if you can come in and pay cash for it. Um, People that have been holding on to Grandpa's old little house in the country that have really not done anything with it, just didn't want to get rid of it because, well, it was Grandpa's. No, we kind of go there in the summer, and I don't, you know, those kind of places are going to start getting dumped into the market. People are going to, you know, what we could sell this, and there's three kids, and we could probably sell this house for, you know, seventy thousand, and you know, everybody would get about twenty-two thousand dollars, and that could go a long way right now. And right now, all it is is, you know, we have to pay property taxes on it and worry about it. There's a lot of opportunity coming up to find that kind of country retreat, remote bug out location, or even a cool little urban homestead, whatever it is that you want. And I want to kind of address something that every time I talk about finding a place to live, somebody feels compelled to tell me one way or another by email, by comments, in the forum, that I'm an idiot. In not so many words, right? Because, oh, Jack, you know, all this stuff about being able to set up a bug out location or a retreat or a nice little homestead anywhere near a city is just, just wrong. The only thing that makes you safe is you gotta go out in the middle of nowhere and be completely off grid and completely independent and not if that makes you miserable, you don't. Come on! You people that think, that really think, wandering freaking hordes of thousands of people will collectively crawl across our country from border to border, ransacking every house on their way, stealing everything and feeding on the, 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 you know, the, the, the meat of children, are just freaking crazy. Please go to the tinfoil hat brigade with those kinds of posts. Because that's who you are if you think that way. No matter how bad things have ever gotten, Nothing like that has ever occurred in history. Groups of people have done it, but entire nations have never turned on each other that way. Even in the darkest days of the Dark Ages, what killed most people in that time was illness. I hate to say it, if something kills a lot of Americans in the future, that's probably what it's going to be, is illness, pandemic of some sort. So when it comes to finding your retreat, understand this. You are the one that has to live there. Nothing could be more personal to you than where and how you live. So do not believe these people that tell you, oh, the wandering hordes are coming. You know what? Get a good gun and shoot a few of them. They'll go somewhere else. If you're really that worried, I, I, you know, I'll tell you that right now. If you had a group of uh, 50 uh, zombies, let's call them that, all right, because they're the undead, it's okay to shoot them, we won't get in trouble. And uh, they were heading toward your house, and you knew they were up to no good. And this was the post-apocalyptic world. Everything had gone to crap. It had gotten as bad as any vision anybody ever had about it. And uh, you went up in the second story of your home. Leaned out the window and from a hundred yards out, popped the guy in the front in the head, dropped him to the ground. Now go somewhere else. 
<laughs> Some are, because there's plenty of people out there that have no preparation and no will to defend what they have. And sleaze like that seek the path of least resistance. They're like water going down a hill. When they hit a boulder, they turn sideways and they go somewhere else. Now, do I think that you'll be safe in downtown Dallas or downtown San Antonio or downtown Atlanta if we have major breakouts and rioting in the streets? Hell no. Hell no. You've got to get some separation. And suburbia probably ain't the best place either. But to tell somebody that you can't find a place two hours away from Dallas, kind of out in the country in a rural environment and be safe there, it's just, it's just nonsensical. You know, to think that you're going to have the road warrior gangs running up and down our highways, right? Everything's come to a head and crash and there's no gas, but they're going to have gas. They have magical gas beams. They plant them in a field and a gas tree grows. And then they, they take the gas tree and they stick it in their car and they can drive and come steal your stuff. We, you, you, guys, you just, again, some of that stuff makes interesting fiction. But the reality is that humanity seeks the assembly of a society. And if I went out and randomly kidnapped a thousand people, about, oh, I'd say 50 of them would be complete dirtbags. Just on, on average. And a hundred of, hundred more would be kind of low end of society. And about 850 would be upstanding individuals that want to do the right thing. And if I took that group of a thousand people and stuck them on an island somewhere in the middle of nowhere, gave them just enough food and, and supplies to kind of establish themselves so they didn't have to eat each other from day one. Came back in two years, you'd probably have a little jail set up and 30 or 40 people would be in it. A couple of the people probably would be dead because the society would have done away with them. But basically what you'd have is a primitive village. And you'd have a hierarchy and you'd have people with responsibilities and you'd have some form of government and some form of law enforcement. You'd have some form of agricultural, some form of hunting and gathering. You'd have some form of building and constructing. You'd have probably people having babies. Why do I believe that? This is what happens. It's what happens everywhere humans go. We assemble societies wherever we go. We have differing opinions about the best way to do it. We have differing opinions about what kind of government to have. Sometimes we do atrocious things to each other. But even the most atrocious society still is a society. They still have an assembly. They still have a way of interacting. And our nation has just too much of that in its core for it all to go away. We don't prepare to be the last people on earth. We prepare to be the survivors and the leaders and a sense of strength when the worst things happen. And I don't think the worst things are about to happen, but I think some really tough, hard things are about to happen. And what I'm imploring you to do right now is batten down a little harder. Save an extra dollar a day. Buy an extra box of food a day. Plant one more seed if you have a place you can grow them this time of year. Get your garden ready for spring if you can. And remember that what you do matters. That is the most important thing that you can have as a survivalist is knowing that what you do matters. Without that, nothing else matters. And as I close today, I'd like to implore you to do something. In spite of the fact that I just said save your money, don't blow money, put a little something aside for our soldiers this year. Participate in our Stockings for Soldiers program and send something to these guys in Afghanistan. Send something to Viper Company. The guys 
that live on a base camp on a mountain on top of what they call, with good reason, the valley of death. Send them something. Do something. Get involved. If it's hard for you to do, make connections in the forum. Find some people that can do it cooperatively and work together. Put something together. Combine your resources. Those guys have it worse than we'll ever have it here. And they need to know that we'll remember them. So please participate in that program. Please, if you're going to spend money this Christmas, you know, consider spending it with our sponsors, Center of Mass and SOE Tactical Gear. You know, if you're going to spend that money, spend it with the people that are supporting the show that you listen to every day. Uh, that would mean a lot to me as well. Again, this has been Jack Spierko with the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter cause it all gets spent 